0: Screamers. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Copper with me, Gareth Davis. I hope you're having a great week. Are you up to anything creative? Let me know, or even better, come and join the Facebook group and start a conversation. If you're a listener, you're very welcome. Uh, It doesn't matter if you have a creative job or not. There's also a video room there where whoever's around has a cuppa and talks nonsense on Fridays at 9am. All very informal. It's just nice to connect with people, isn't it? Now... I met Mick Cook a few years ago at a conference in Sheffield called the Children's Media Conference. I was composing the score for kids' show Scream Street at the time, and Mick was busy scoring another kids' show, Bits and Bob. It's a lovely conference because you can sit in a hotel bar and be next to all sorts of incredibly creative people, from composers to publishers to artists to TV producers and directors. So it's really nice informal networking. Why am I telling you this? Well, now and again, it's nice to welcome a fellow composer onto the show. And Mick's story is just fascinating. I'll let him tell you about it, though. So if you have a cuppa ready, here we go. Mick Cook, composer, welcome to Creative Cuppa. Thanks, Gareth. You're very welcome. It's really nice to have a fellow composer on. It's what That's always nice for me. Because we're in a relatively small club in that we're both composers for TV, but more than that, we compose music for kids' TV. Yeah. And even more than that, it's animated kids' TV.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a fairly small Venn diagram, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it is a little bit, yeah. What was it for you about
1: animation that
0: drew you in?
1: Well, I've always loved animation, and it was kind of accidental, really, because... I was playing with Belle and Sebastian and an animator got in touch saying that she wanted to use a Belle and Sebastian song in an animation that she was working on for Channel 4 but she couldn't afford the sync fee so she said did anyone from the band want to do the music instead and nobody else answered the email and I did and I ended up doing that and I absolutely loved it and then just yeah just kind of you know how it is you you sort of you go along to the, the screening of the animation you meet other animators there and you know yeah it becomes a thing you know but yeah I mean I have tried doing other things like documentaries and things like that but I found that animation was kind of like my natural home really. Yeah and you
0: suddenly become known for that genre as well don't you?
1: Yeah and you do worry sometimes you think oh I'm being totally you know typecast into this one thing but actually then you just kind of relax and say well I enjoy it yeah. you know I think I'm good at it and yeah people seem to be coming back for more so you know, why stress about that sort of thing, you know?
0: So that was a real sliding doors moment for you. You were the only person who answered the email. That's
1: yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah. And and it, it kind of kept going like that because at the screening, I met a guy called Ian Gardner who ran the Scottish Animation Network. I mean, the screening was in London, but I met the Scottish guy who was trying to get Yasmin, the animator, was inviting her to the Christmas party for the Animation Network in Scotland. And she's saying, like, well, I, I don't think I can make it, Ian, because I, I live in London. <laughs> <laughs> and i i said well well i'll go and he's like who are you <laughs> so yeah so and then and then i went on to that met loads of people there so i yeah and it just kind of kept going like that really which is when people kind of come to me and say how do you get into the you know how do you get into this industry it really is just get, a case of getting out there and you know when you hang out at the, the places where directors hang out you know they hang out with each other you meet other directors, that's kind of how it all works, really.
0: Yeah, and we met, of course, at CMC, which is the Children's Media Conference, which is basically where the the entire kids' media industry just descend and uh, sit in a hotel bar (laughs) for three
1: days. Absolutely, and, and, you know, (laughs) God bless the organisers of that, because it really is a great... Yeah. I remember people telling me about that and I kind of thought, oh, that doesn't sound, that sounds like not the kind of thing I would really be interested in. But I went along to it and, and it really is amazing because it is just a case of people hanging out and everyone's really relaxed and everyone's really friendly and approachable. Yeah. And it's, you know, they're not all like that. I think all these conferences, there's lots that don't have that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Um, so they've really kind of got it right, I think there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned Bell and Sebastian there because you were the the trumpet player and the bassist with them for 15 years. I mean, that's a long time. It must seem like two different lives. And that was, you know, playing at venues like the Albert Hall and the Hollywood Bowl, and you won a Briss Award, and you were nominated for Ivan Avello and Mercury Prize. I mean, that's quite something.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's only looking back, you think, actually, that was quite a trip. At the time, I mean, you you know, it's, it's absolutely great fun when you're in it and you're doing it. But you sort of just sort of think, oh, this is just kind of normal, and this is, you know, we're going to the (laughs) we're we're going to the Mojo Wars today, and oh, here's David Arnold sat next to me and stuff like that. You know, you just think it's kind of normal, and then yeah, you kind of realise it's not really. But yeah, (laughs) no, it's such a great time, and I mean, just the whole touring thing was really good fun and so many great memories.
0: Was there a moment over that 15 years where you thought, wow, uh, (laughs) this isn't (laughs) quite what I signed up for? But it's amazing, you yeah, know, riding that wave.
1: That definitely was. I mean, playing at the Hollywood Bowl to seventeen thousand people, backed oh. by the LA Philharmonic Orchestra Oof. was that was a moment where you just kinda of go, Yeah, I just can't believe this is actually happening. It, it really it really was. It was like a dream. And but I can still totally remember that moment, you know, just standing there playing my trumpet, thinking, This is totally you know, I, I can't I can't imagine another time like this. This is never gonna happen again. But yeah just moments like that you, you, you really and, and and i think the moment of clarity as well is the thing it's a strange thing you know sometimes you sort of think oh you're going to be incredibly nervous doing that but actually you're kind of the calmest that you ever feel ever doing that in in the moment it's, it's kind of like that thing they talk about you know being in the moment and what do they call it now mindfulness
0: yeah it's being con- present it's totally yeah.
1: mindfulness you're just because all you can do nobody's going to phone you there's no bells coming through the door you're just standing playing your trumpet to seventeen thousand yeah. people
0: <laughs> it's like like you do
1: like like you do but yeah I, mean, I and actually i hadn't realized how much it was like that until uh, i got invited back and we played again with an orchestra at the hydro in glasgow and that was a pretty big audience as well that was 2015 and i hadn't done that for a while and yet i was just standing there thinking i'm gonna be nervous and but i wasn't at all just standing there just thinking i've not been as calm as this you know for a long yeah. long time
0: Yeah, that must have been quite nice to revisit in a way. No no pressure.
1: It was. I mean, there's a lot of pressure, actually. (laughs) Well. Because I I was also (laughs) kind of helping out with the orchestra, so I kind of help out when, you know, kind of Uh get the orchestra, all the parts ready and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so I was kind of involved right up until the point. And I think that was the thing because, you know, obviously there's a lot of stress involved and all that sort of stuff. And then you get on the stage... And you've got your trumpet and you go, right, I know what I'm doing now. I can just play this and you can, you know, nobody's going to say, this part's not right. <laughs> like, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just like, you know what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So fast forward then, Bits and Bob for CBBS, Bodge for CBBS. a couple of seasons of Zack and Quack for Nick Jr. How have you found writing for that age group and for that style of animation
1: it's been great. I mean, like I said, I did try to do things like documentaries and found that it wasn't really mm. my natural home. And um, funnily enough, I did a course in Edinburgh, a kind of composing course. It was like a week, a week long course. And all the tutors on that were saying, you know, your style's too melodic for, for music, for media. Interesting. And, uh, you know, I think they were right for most things. I mean, I, I just think in terms of melody all the time. And but then I found that for animation it kind of works and you have to have melody in, you know kids tv and animation as well so but yeah i just found doing the actual work really enjoyable and you know watching amazing animation i love that as well and just the people as well just so nice i mean i think particularly kids tv the people you know the producers the directors they're just i mean i've yet to meet an unpleasant person (laughs) really it's like i think maybe i've been lucky but there's just a really nice atmosphere working in kids tv um everyone's in it for for the right reasons, you know, everyone's really passionate about it and just want to to get the best um, for it and, you know, just want to produce something really great. Plus, I mean, I was doing it at the time when my kids were able to watch the programmes, you know, basically hot off the press. So I'd do an episode of Zack and Quack and then my kids would be watching it with me, you know, and it was just, that was quite a special thing, actually, because you kind of realise, well, they're the first people to see this in in this state, you know, and...
0: uh, What do the kids think?
1: Oh, they loved it. They, they absolutely loved it. And I think, yeah, they thought it was a kind of normal thing for a dad to do, but I think it was when they <laughs> went to school and realised actually not everyone's dad does this, you know. But yeah, one, one son started to write songs himself. and oh. So yeah, that's kind of nice when you sort of see that happening.
0: It's really interesting what you're saying about being kind of melody-driven, because I feel that as well. So, and I'm, I've ended up writing soundtracks for kids' TV. I know other composers who work in kids' TV who feel the same. So there, there seems to be some kind of common thread there, doesn't there? For
1: uh... Yeah, I think it's just a natural home. If you're, I mean, I think the other thing as well is that I just assumed it was quite an easy thing to do to write happy music, but actually it's quite a difficult thing mm-hmm. to do. I mean, obviously there's a lot of music for media which is about producing really disturbing music or really sad music. But yeah, it actually hit, hit home when a producer for a certain series I was pitching for Said, well, actually, you were the natural choice because everything else we came that came through was really dark. It was like, <laughs> it, was like it, it was like, it was like bi- they're writing for a dark documentary. And I was thinking, well, I mean, yeah. unless they got the wrong brief, that's quite a hard thing to do. But then, then I kind of realised actually, writing happy music is actually it doesn't come naturally to everyone. It's quite a hard thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they, you know, writing for kids' TV in particular has an extra pressure of production companies want to age it up. So they want to bridge that gap, don't they? So while music is music, you know, you shouldn't particularly age things down. There is a pressure, isn't there, to have things for animated series that are more immediate, more urgent, and uh, more melody-driven? Like you say, it's a really hard kind of high wire to. to it
1: really is. On. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think the biggest note I ever get um, on most series I work on is you know age it up. You know, just make sure you're not yeah. going too preschool because they are preschool shows I'm working on, but. They don't want it to be too plunky plonky or to try and avoid, you know, the kind of less marimba, less marimba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Reach for that marimba. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, lovely.
1: So, what's
0: next for you? Are you mid series? Are you,
1: yeah, well, I'm doing stuff for Sesame Workshop just now. So, doing some Elmo stuff. Um, wow, which been, yeah, which that's been amazing. Great, it's
0: another throwback to you know, childhood and thinking, who'd have thought? <laughs> When I was that age in the audience, no, absolutely. Thinking. I mean,
1: I was a massive fan of the Muppets in particular when I was a kid. You know, just I loved that show. Sesame Street, I think, probably passed me by a little bit as a kid. I also knew about it, but um, yeah, Bert and Ernie—they're absolutely brilliant. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's amazing. Actually, uh, again, it's something as you kind of pinch yourself, saying, "Oh, I'm, I'm working on this. It's been it's been great. Big learning curve, but um, enjoying it. It's been good.
0: Fantastic. So, uh, will that hit our screens? soon or well, uh, is, is that still in uh, early stages
1: yeah the the specials out on hbo max which i don't think i know anyone that has that in this country but um no. i don't know i don't know if you know if you can get it in this country but and then i think there'll be another special also for hbo max and some youtube stuff as well so
0: fantastic yeah. fantastic okay so mick where can people find you online if they uh, want to find out more and listen to your stuff watch show reels, etc i have a
1: website too many cooks.co.uk
0: and that's good name that, good name. that's
1: cooks with a, an e uh, before the s so yeah <laughs> too many cooks and and two as in t-o-o and not number two yeah
0: right okay <laughs> I shall put that link in the show notes for you Mick uh, but for now thank you very much for joining me for a
1: cuppa thank you Gareth it's been great
0: Thanks again to Mick for his time and his stories. We've talked before about sliding doors moments on Creative Cuppa. Mick is only in the position he's in now because he answered an email and took an opportunity. I imagine he would have got there somehow, but it's fascinating, isn't it, the way careers start from a little idea. I think there's also a lesson there to say yes and be brave. Who knows where it could lead to? Do you have a creative career? I'd love to know how you got started what was your sliding doors moment you can use any of the at screen pod socials to get in touch feel free to dm or go through creative whatever suits you all the links are in the show notes that's all for now so until next time be kind be creative and thanks for joining me for a cover.